Hi there. Welcome to Brother Hebert Presents. This is part four of Grammatical Deception. We left off in part three talking about Cain and that his very name means to acquire. Not only did Cain come into this world from below, being the son of the serpent, but all his descendants after him are born from beneath. Their ways come from beneath, and since they are wise as serpents, because they are serpents, they have designed the perfect deceptive system to enslave us, and just as prophesied by Yahweh God himself, they bite our Adamic heels with interest. Their most efficient tools are grammar and banking. The descendants of Cain and of Esau are Jews, and Yahshua Christ exposed them for their deeds and hypocrisy and warned us about them. Bite comes from the Hebrew word nashak, H5391, which means to bite, to pay, give interest, lend for interest or usury. Cain and his descendants are a cursed seed line, people, and subrace. Genesis 4.11 And now are you, Cain, cursed from the land, which has opened her mouth to receive your half-brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength or produce. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be in the earth. Jews are not farmers, they are merchants and bankers. Jews are vagabonds and have been kicked out of countries over 359 recorded times throughout history because of their ways. Yahweh said they would never have a nation or land of their own. Psalm 109.10 Let his children be continually vagabonds and beg. Let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. Hence, the international Jew. They are vampires, leeches, parasites. They've infiltrated every white empire and nation throughout history, gained seats of power, and perverted the common and biblical law of the land, dumbed down the people, and subtly and cunningly changed the morals of the people through porn, gambling, sports, entertainment, and promotion of interracial marriages, homosexuality, and the do-what-thou-wilt motto. Just look who owns Hollywood, the media, TV programming, everything. Cain and his children have no standing with Yahweh God. They have been cursed from the land. This is why they must operate through maritime law, grammatical deception, and the distortion of truth. Matthew 13.19 When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. This would be someone who does not know his Christian name, 
does not know who he is racially, which would have him ignorant to his heritage, which he unwittingly and willingly hands over to the wicked one. Matthew 13.38 The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The children of the kingdom, the wheat that bows when ripe, are those of the race of Adam, Israelites, descendants of the twelve tribes of Jacob Yisrael, the Anglo-Saxon nations of the world. The children of the wicked one, the tares, which are a poisonous weed and stands straight up in arrogance, are those of the race of the descendants of Cain and of Esau, Canaanites and Edomites, the owners of everything in the world. 1 John 3.12 Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his half-brother, and wherefore he slew him? because his own works were evil, and his half-brothers righteous. 1 John 5.18 We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God guards himself, and that wicked one touches him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in wickedness. The whole society lies in the power of the evil one. World in the New Testament does not mean the whole world. The word is cosmos, G2889. It simply means the society or the system. Thayer definition, an apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution, order, government. The ungodly multitude the whole mass of men alienated from God, and therefore hostile to the cause of Christ. World affairs, the aggregate of things earthly. The whole circle of earthly goods, endowment, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce from God, and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. A righteous Adamic society would be one that did not tolerate unrighteousness and that would cast out unrepentant habitual sinners, a society that would be set apart as a race, obedient to the law, honored their heritage and observed the appointed times, feast days and Shabbat days, practiced good kinsmanship and brotherly love, followed the food laws prays to, praises, and proclaims the name of Yeshua, studies, and seeks to be approved, has zeal, and longs to be in the presence of the Father Yahweh. This is the society which Christ came and died for. The society or system in which we live now is a Babylonian satanic society. We are in the last stage of the last age. Cain is H7014, Cain, a Kenite, or Smiths. Its related word is H7069, 
kana, meaning to get, acquire, buy, possess, obtain, to cause to possess, procure. The Kenites were also known as scribes. By the time of Christ, these Jews were teaching what's known as the Oral Law. This started around the time that the children of Israel were in Babylonian captivity. There were some Kenites, Canaanites, and Edomites living among the Israelites. The Oral Laws were the traditions of the elders, decrees, customs, and other man-made laws that were passed down from the Kenite people and became greater than following Yahweh's laws. In the first book of the Maccabees, chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, the scribes, again, who were the Kenites, joined a party of men called the Zealous Assidians. The Edomite scribes quickly, through their public realignment of words, acquired a great influence over the Hebrew people, while the Levitical priesthood lost its prestige. Under the Asmonean rule, the Sopharim, the scribes, became the leaders of a new party called the Pharisees. When the Kenites, under the title of Scribes, Pharisees, were admitted to the Sanhedrin, they began to make void the precepts of the law. The same thing happened in the garden. This cursed seed line has a knack for making void the precepts of the law. Mark 7, 9 And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of Elohim, that you may keep your own tradition. Matthew 15, 6 Thus have you made the commandment of Elohim of none effect by your tradition. Nudum pactum In law, an agreement that is void or not valid according to the laws of the land. Nudum pactum is a Latin word which means bare agreement. It is an agreement that is unenforceable as a contract because it is not clothed with consideration required by law. This is also referred to as naked contract or nude contract or nude pact. Webster's 1828, a pact or agreement not enforceable by action because lacking in or bare of certain legal essentials or formalities, such as a. Roman law, a pact or agreement not in the form required for a binding stipulation, b. Common law, a promise unenforceable for lack of the required consideration, c. Civil law, a promise unenforceable for lack of a lawful motive. When you take from the tree of knowledge, you are handing over your God-given dominion. You leave the position of creditor, of life, of protection, and you cross over into the world of the dead, 
the position of debtor, of a slave, a person, a corporation. You have chosen to be nudum pactum, void of the agreement to follow the way. Void of the covenant and promises made to Abraham regarding his seed through Isaac and Jacob. Void of the blessings which come from obedience. Judeo-Christianity is not the way. Judeo-Christianity is based on the Babylonian Talmud, which these Jews incorporated at the time of the Babylonian captivity of the children of Israel. In 2 Kings chapter 17, we see some of the beginnings of the impersonation of the Jews as Israel. The Jews are not of Jacob Israel. They are of Cain and Esau. The Sepharvaim are a branch of Jews. These are Sephardic Jews. These Jews eventually infiltrated and corrupted the sect of the Pharisees. It was these Jews that murdered Christ. Here is where the Jews started to take the laws of Moses and distort them into their own religion called Judaism, the traditions of the elders, Talmudism. Today, it's called Judeo-Christianity. This false religion has deceived our people into believing that the Jews are the Israel of the Bible, that Jesus was a Jew, that Judeo-Christianity, or any other denomination, is the religion of the Bible, and that we are Gentiles. Lies, lies, and more lies. You'll notice that a great difference exists between the Jewish and the Christian religions. But these are not all. We Jews consider the two religions so different that one excludes the other. We emphasized that there is no such thing as a Judeo-Christian religion. There is not any similarity between the two concepts. Rabbi Magi, President, quoted in the National Jewish Information Service, August 21, 1961. These Jews are wise as serpents. They have manipulated religions, governments, societies, laws and courts, food, air, water, and people through their deceptions. <laughs> Can you yet see in this study how simple grammar, language, and subtle changes turn the pure, true, solid word of Yahweh into meaningless garble? They have done the same thing with our identity and standing in society and law. We have been warned repeatedly by the prophets, apostles, Christ, Yahweh God, and men throughout history about these Jews and their deceptive ways. All throughout scripture, and history, up until today, the Jew, the seed of the serpent, has been biting, lending upon usury, 
our people. They have deceived us into giving up our standing with Christ, and as a result we have joined with the Antichrists, and we are now corporations, servants, and debtors, unwittingly serving the wrong master. Wars are orchestrated to kill off a bunch of people. White Christian young men. Because the estates revert back to the reversioner, which pays off the fictitious federal debt. This all happens under the United Nations through the Hague Convention concerning the international administration of the estates of deceased persons. God, G-O-D, is the grantor of dominion. All that needs to be done is for living man to give his consent to a dead corporation in order that a dead corporation can access the dominion from such a living man. God is Elohim in the Hebrew. It can mean God, as in Yahweh God, the great I Am, the only true and real God. It also is used in the plural, meaning gods, as in rulers, judges, divine ones, angels. When you leave Yahweh God and go from being a man to being a person, you are assumed dead or lost at sea. If you don't know your name, you are assumed dead. Conversion. In law, the action of dealing with goods in a manner inconsistent with the owner's rights. That's why they need you to surrender your rights in order to plunder your equity, your estate, your goods. Remember poor old Naboth, 1 Kings chapter 21? King Ahab wanted his vineyard, but Naboth did not want to give up his inheritance. Jezebel, Ahab's wife, cunningly attained Naboth's vineyard. Wouldn't it be a coincidence if Jezebel was a Jewess? 1 Kings 16.31 And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal, and worshipped him. The Zidonians were Canaanites, Jewish descendants of Cain. The Quasi-Trust Since 1230 A.D., when they created the Corpus Juris, which is a quasi-trust law system, what they did to do that is they created two names. John Paul Smith In 1230, they created the surname, which means cognomen. John Paul is a gnomon. 
the power of Rome, a creditor. Smith is a cognomen, the machine of Rome. The machine is a corporation, a debtor. What is nomen? In the civil law, a name, the name, style, or designation of a person. Properly, the name showing to what gens or tribe he belonged, as distinguished from his own individual name, the prenomen, from his surname or family name, the cognomen, and from any name added by way of descriptive title, agnomen, the name or style of a class or genus of persons or objects, a debt or a debtor. What is cognomen? In Roman law, a man's family name, the first name, prenomen, was the proper name of the individual. The second, nomen, indicated the gens or tribe to which he belonged, while the third, cognomen, denoted his family or house. In English law, a surname, a name added to the nomen proper, or name of the individual, a name descriptive of the family. Trust law is a triad, being three things that make the one element, creditor, administrator, and debtor. The crime of conversion, converting the creditor into the debtor and the administrator into the creditor, rendering all profit to go to the bar and the Rothschild private banking scam. This is what debased dog Latin corrupt foreign sign language looks like. It's all capital letters with no hyphens. It is so close to English that it will fool you because such criminal foreign text can never be lawfully or legally read. Without studying the Hebrew and the Greek from the oldest manuscripts, or without a concordance or dictionary, you will not understand the true and deeper meanings in Scripture, especially when taking every word in the King James Perversion as the inerrant Word of God. Don't forget, English came from Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and the King James Version is a version of a version of a version and many deliberate changes, additions, and subtractions have occurred. And guess who were scribes, and had influence, and owned publishing houses throughout history? Well, it would be the Kenites, Canaanites, Cain's kids, and the Edomites, the scribes, Esau's kids, Jews. Satan needs you to remain as Mr. Smith and remain in the office of the debtor in order that he can convert himself from administrator who gets just a percentage of the take into the creditor and takes his percent plus everything done and he never has to return it to the creditor because the creditor has died 
He's gone. You couldn't find your way back home, so you lost your estate, and you lost it to the magistrates, to the Vatican, and to the snake in the garden. And that's what the Adam and Eve story is all about. Wow! The Perfect Crime The crime of conversion by converting the dominion that was granted to man in Genesis 1.26 over to Satan. That is why the Vatican has so much wealth. That is why the Vatican Bank and its corporations are the debtors of the Vatican. Converting the dominion of the creditor into their pockets and leaving us as a debtor through the grammatical deceptions, sign language, and their using the debased sign language, which is the corruption of the glosser, in order to fool and trick us into falling into a quasi-three-way trust, which means a copy of a real trust, but it only can have two parties, which destroys the essence of the trust. It must have three parties, but it can't, because we can only be the creditor or the debtor. It's a choice. That choice was established in the Garden of Eden when Yahweh said to Adam, If you eat, or partake, from the tree of knowledge, the tree of the dead, you'll surely die. Don't fall for the tree of the debtor, or you will surely die. They are using the debased sign language, which is the corrupt glosser. The corruption of glosser in order to fool and trick us into falling into a quasi-trust. A quasi-three-way trust, which means a copy of a real trust. But it can only have two parties, which destroys the essence of the trust. It must have three parties, but it the quasi-trust, can't, because we can only be the creditor or the debtor. It's a choice established in the garden with God when he said to Adam, If you eat from the tree of knowledge, the true dead, you will surely die. Don't fall for the tree of the debtor. The tree of knowledge is a quasi-tree of life. It appears good to eat, or partake in. It has a form of truth. Just like the English words you seem to be able to read in the Bible, or the message of the church you go to, or the doctrine or pastor you believe, it all seems to be the Word of God, but it is not. Second Corinthians 11.13 For such are false emissaries, deceptive workers, masquerading as emissaries of Messiah. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as a messenger of light. When you understand this, then that's the end of Satan, the end of the administrator acting as the creditor. He falls back into where he should be, back into the debtor because that's where he started out as. It was only through his trickery and deceit that he changed or converted himself from being the debtor to the creditor. Goat, G-O-A-T, the symbol of Satan. 
The word goat in proper English means goat. Goat in uppercase text has a different meaning. In Black's Law Dictionary, it means the sewer. The channels of water from land into the sea. It is through these channels of water where the laws of the sea usurp themselves up into the cities. There are two different books and dictionaries. One is for the words of life, proper English, and a dictionary for the corpus juris, which the corpus is the containment, but it also means in the Latin dictionaries, cadaver, body, dead. No one can have a right of property in a corpse. The corpus juris is the jurisdiction of the world of the dead, and that language is found in the legal dictionaries in all uppercase text, which is sign language, and sign is just sin. The word sign, written in all uppercase text or the symbolic language of sign, which is the engraved images found on tombstones. The word sign is simply sin with the G, and the G just means the governance of sin. The sign language has its own jurisdictions, its own legal dictionaries. The confusion comes from the two different languages on documents. Assuming they are one, and that's where the joinder from the living and the dead is. Once you attach yourself to the ledger of the dead, then you are no longer living. You are attached to the dead. The goat is the sewer, the man-made instrument that channels the law of the sea under the land, the usurper, the serpent. Proverbs 10.2 Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs 21.6 The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Matthew 6.19 Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust do corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust do corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. Hebrews 11.24 By belief, Moshe, having become great, refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh choosing rather to be afflicted with the people of Elohim than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time, deeming the reproach of Messiah greater riches than the treasures in Mitzrayim, which is Egypt or captivity, for he was looking to the reward, meaning the reward of knowing and keeping his standing with Christ by not accepting the surname Egypt is symbolic of slavery and bondage. Moses knew who he was and whose he was. 
and he did not identify or accept the name of another people or another god. The given name on the birth certificate is in descriptive text, in proper English, as described in Chicago Styles manuals and the Oxford Styles manuals. The surname, which is the debtor name, which is not on your name, is symbolic text. Uppercase trusts, the gloss, which is identified as the American Sign Language, or the glosser, which is the corruption of the text. One of the trees in the garden is the corrupt tree. God said, Don't enter into that world. Or the remedy, or the Christian name will slowly die. When Christ came and offered a remedy, he said, In my name only, which is the Christian name, and indeed only, the registration date, you will be saved. Today's churches and so-called Christians are satanic incorporations. They are registered as servants of Satan in the eyes of God. They are ignorant, unlearned, and stiff-necked. They follow false doctrine, Jewish fables, and are unaware of who they are and whose they are and are bringing damnation upon themselves because they worship a Jew. You are registered as a true Christian when you are born again, meaning to have true knowledge and understanding of your history, heritage, scripture, identity, and worship the one true God, Yahweh. You must have the right belief. Live the true Christian lifestyle daily and do something with the truth when your eyes are opened to it. Black's Law Dictionary describes two Christians, a quasi-Christian and an ecclesiastical Christian. The quasi-Christian is the one that holds the surname and goes to the registered corporate church 501-C3, and believes that he is a Christian, but he is not a Christian at all. The quasi-Christian sits in his own pew under a pagan sun pillar, a steeple, worshiping a Jewish Jesus and pagan symbols, the cross, the fish, statues, etc., on the day of the sun god. Sunday, has no clue who he is or who the enemy is, knows nothing of our heritage and history, doesn't keep the food laws or feast days or Shabbats, doesn't know much scripture at all, and doesn't know the names of our God and our Redeemer. Hosea 4.6 My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. An ecclesiastical Christian is one of the race of Adam who is called out, called out from Jewish and church deceptions, called out of religious ignorance to become a witness to others and to bring the gospel message to the lost Israelites that have been brainwashed by centuries of Jewish propaganda 
and grammatical deceptions. Revelation 10.5 And the messenger whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to the heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there shall be no further delay. The pen is truly mightier than the sword. The pen is mightier than the sword is a metonymic adage coined by English author Edward Bulwer-Lytton in 1839, indicating that communication, or in some interpretations, administrative power or advocacy of an independent press is a more effective tool than direct violence. The pen is mightier than the sword. Strong, eloquent, or well-crafted speech or writing is more influential on a greater number of people than force or violence. People who write books, poems, etc. have a greater effect on history and human affairs than soldiers and wars. Mightier means stronger or more powerful. Thomas Jefferson sent a letter to Thomas Paine in 1796 in which he wrote, Go on doing with your pen what in other times was done with the sword. Bulwer-Lytton may have coined the phrase, but he was preceded by several others who expressed essentially the same idea. George Whetstone, in Heptameron of Civil Discourses, 1582, wrote, The dash of a pen is more grievous than the counterbus of a lance. Dashed is something erased, mixed or adulterated, blotted out. To mix and reduce or adulterate by throwing in another substance. Could this be mixing two languages on one document? To erase a stroke, to destroy or to frustrate, to confound or confuse, to put to shame. We will be put to shame on Judgment Day if we stand before Christ as a corporate entity of the devil. How can we have done things in Christ's name if we are a lost at sea, dead corporate entity serving Jewish Jesus and are taking from the tree of knowledge. We are nudum pactum, void of our contract with Christ because we have entered into an agreement with the adversary and death. A lance is a large ship. A lanch, or a lanch, is the sliding or movement of a ship from the land into the water. On ways prepared for the purpose. Are we not moved 
from our standing as creditor and Christian on land into water or maritime law via grammatical deception? In Hamlet, 1602, Shakespeare gave Rosencrantz the line, Many wearing rapiers are afraid of goose quills and dare scarce come thither. A rapier is a small sword used only in thrusting. A goose quill is a pen made with a large feather. Robert Burton's The Anatomy of Melancholy, 1621, includes, From this it is clear how much more cruel the pen may be than the sword. The pen is mightier than the sword means a person can cause people to change their opinion, to fight a war, etc., and on a large scale, whereas a sword can only change a person's opinion by force and then often only results in the person's death. The Founding Fathers of the United States of America considered the pen to be mightier than the sword and therefore were able to claim the freedom of America by uniting the colonists. Thanks for listening. I've posted links to Romley Stewart's website and YouTube channel, as well as a link to the Glossa channel on the paper. I pray for your guidance and protection to those choosing to do something with this information and get out of the system. Simply knowing and understanding this deception is important too. By being aware of it, we can try to handle our affairs in this system with a little more caution, such as agreeing to less contracts, avoiding taking out loans if possible, and identifying yourselves by your Christian names. Noah and Lot were just men living in a satanic society and were saved out of it. We who know and follow the way are also living in a satanic society, but if we put our trust in Yeshua Christ and serve him, we shall be saved out of it as well. You can find this article and more at www.thinkoutsidethebeast.com I leave you with a couple short audios from Romley Stewart. May Yahweh bless you, and praise Yahweh. Did you know that that's a ledger? <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought a ledger were, were the accounts or the, the debtor, creditor parts of an account of a corporation, company, some form of commercial entity. But I didn't know that a ledger was the slab of stone that sits on top of a grave or a tomb. I didn't know that.
Ignorance. Now, according to the Webster's Dictionary, the big thick one that I love reading, <laughs> dates back a few years, the word ledger also derives from lie, to lie. And something that is lying flat has no standing. So it's, it's not a part of the jurisdiction of whatever you're involved in. It's another strange thing. So does that mean that the word ledger that derives, also derives from lie, does it mean that the accounts or the ledgers or the data credit parts of the accounts that appear in the mail from government bodies, banks, power companies, etc., are they saying that they're a lie? Some form of a lie? Not only does it... Uh, does the word ledger derive from lie? It also means the bait on a hook, <laughs> which is interesting because are they saying that the ledgers that appear in the mail, in the articles from our governments, banks, power companies, etc., are not only a lie, but they are also a trap, a bait, some sort of a snare that snares us into falling for something that maybe we didn't know what we were talking about or didn't know what was happening. Another strange thing about it is the word, the, the bait on the hook is connected to a line connected to the bank. That's how it works. Which is funny because um, it's strange how the bank always offers you a line of credit. So is the word saying that um, that the line of credit is some form of a bait, a trap that uh, renders you subject to some sort of a, a grave or tomb, dead, rendered dead. Another funny part about the word ledger is when these ledgers come in the mail the writing you will find on them is a form of sign language, which also appears on the tombstones, which is an all uppercase text, which does not, uh, cannot be found in the Oxford English Manual of Styles. It doesn't exist there. So therefore, it has no jurisdiction with, um, with the English language. It's foreign. It's a foreign type font. Which is also a strange thing. And it, it would make you wonder if this is a symbolic text or a sign. Is it an engraved image that God warned us not to worship? Wordship. Worship. And yet, when this type of writing, this sign language, that is uh, identified as um, American, ASL American Sign Language in 11147 of the Chicago Manual of Styles, it even states there that it has no jurisdiction with the English language. It's a foreign language. 
So is that why the articles that come in the mail are sealed? You must break the seal in order to enter into, to worship another deity, another language, another god. And is it the god of sign? Is it really the god of death? <laughs> Another strange thing is when the articles appear in the mail, they come under a, inside an envelope, they come inside an envelope that has the same two to one ratio as the ledges, the slabs of stone that sit on the grave. When you get a normal uh, letter from a friend, the, the letter envelope is not the same ratio as the dead ledgers of a tomb. Yet the accounts, the ledgers that come from your governments, uh, power companies, banks, etc., all appear under the, under the articles that appear under the same um, ratio as the ledgers found on a tombstone. You see, <laughs> when people say they haven't got full disclosure or haven't had full disclosure in, in relation to a contract or whatever, the full disclosure is in the word itself. The very word is telling you exactly what you're getting into. By breaking the seals of those ledgers that appear in the mail, you enter into the, an occult world of the dead. And there's something you must always remember is that, the, a, is that a dead man has no rights. So when you get involved in some form of a contract from one of these places, such as foreign governments or corporate governments, foreign banking entities, power companies that belong to such foreign banks, then you may find yourself in deep trouble if you crack open those seals of those dead ledger accounts because you will render yourself as dead. The only thing I could probably advise, if I were to advise anything, is that we as Australians and we as Americans and Canadians and uh, the people of England, the people of their own countries, should start being more vigilant and question just who is sending us these ledgers? Who is our government? Who's really behind the governing system of this new world order that we're fastly being involved in, or if not, it's already here? Because it's an occult world of the dead where dead men have no rights. <laughs> so, the ledger, the accounts that come in the mail, also the stone that sits on a grave, derives from a lie, is the bait on a hook. houses the language of sign, the engraved images, where you're warned to stay away from. 
the Justinian deception is a system that removes the public from from the public domain into the private contracts of Rome and therefore and in 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 order to forego justice so in short um, all the rights the common law rights that a person has from the public if they enter into the private laws of the, the of Rome the private contracts of Rome they will lose all their God-given rights to common law justice and will be subjected to just the contracts and statutes of Rome so that's what the Justinian deception is and it um, it's the hidden system that deceives you from going from public to private it's a deception and it dates back to Emperor Justinian in 530 to 560 roughly AD and the um, he created a thing called the Corpus Juris which is the the language or the the um, the speaking or the jurisdiction of the dead so therefore what he did in order to bring um, living men under uh, with with no rights he legally killed or illegally sacrificed the children uh, at birth that's what birthing is all about a man is born into existence but is birthed into uh, a form of legal death and once you've been birthed into legal death and you remain there then a dead man has no rights so what the Justinian deception does is attaches the living man to a dead thing and then once the attachment is made the dead account uh, is what is attacked by the government and while the living man is attached to the dead account uh, it is assumed that the living man is dead and I know I know that in our conversations our many conversations over the months you've repeatedly drawn attention to that document called the birth certificate you've even opened our eyes to the fact that there are two several versions of it not two two people identified on the one document yeah. but several versions of the document recording the day or date when a person left their mother's surrogacy. Well, there's even a church birth certificate, and it's uh, it's different again, but it's the same. It gives you your Christian name, uh, the date of birth of it. It's just like a, a state birth certificate, but it's one that's filed in the um, in the church. And in my case, because I was born when the Church of England church was still in Australia, and I think just after '73, the Unidroit Treaty of Rome. The Church of England Church became the Anglican Church, which is under the control of the Vatican. So uh, all of my records were taken from St. John's Church of England Church. It became the Vatican-owned um, church, and my records were sent to uh, Townsville. So there's another birth certificate there, but you're right, the birth certificates are the things that have uh, legally set up the trust that's why, in general, in the government, there are two birth certificates. One is a creditor and one is a debtor. And um, it's where you stand in the, within those two certificates that uh, governs whether or not you are the debtor or the creditor of the government. So it's a, that's how it works.